warning. What you will see in the movie Pieces cannot be revealed, cannot be described, cannot even be imagined. And you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Pieces, it's exactly what you think it is. Pieces, absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted. Dan's Driving Double Feature presents Pieces and Pieces, episode 10, a minute-by-minute-ish podcast covering J.P. Simon's early 80s slasher, Pieces. You just heard the trailer. The trailer's awesome. Last time we left off 32 minutes and 16 seconds in. The uh, dancing gal going to the restroom, the lounge, wherever the heck it was. This one begins at 3217. With a guy sitting, with a guy with a mustache sitting uh, on his face, not like he's not holding a, a mustache, contemplating it, sitting uh, on a on a on a, ch- on a chair on a couch on a sofa, uh, and Kendall and uh, Lieutenant Bracken, Christopher George and Ian Sarah, or wait a minute, Ian Sarah and Christopher George, uh, walk in, and this episode will cover up to minute thirty-seven. They're pretty straightforward what's happening here uh kendall comes in if you remember lieutenant bracken gave him a card said there's someone uh you know who wants to want to talk to you so he uh kendall comes in he's brought to this guy who's like a consulting psychologist who draws up the um uh you know profiles of killers and such so while kendall is talking to this guy whose name is also Kendall. No, I forget what the guy's name is, but he's a very nice guy. Uh, uh, Lieutenant Bracken goes and talks to Mary Riggs, another police officer, played by Linda Day George. Hooray! So it's Christopher George and Linda Day George again. Very nice. And um, uh, she is, uh, been, she's been pushing papers for six months, and he's going to put her undercover at the school as their tennis coach because she is also a tennis champion. Kendall knows her, and Kendall uh, asks, uh, Kendall is told she's going to go undercover, don't tell anyone, and just keep an eye on her. She's not too thrilled with that, but, you know, it is what it is. And then uh, at the end of the, uh, the cop scene, a uh, 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 reporter from the Boston Globe, Sylvia Costa, from the Boston Globe, the uh, Boston Globe, as in Boston, Madrid, a, a suburb of Spain, she shows up and asks, what's going on and what's happening? And, and the ten kind of laughs her off and talk to Mary Riggs and Mary and uh, uh, Sylvia kind of give each other looks like, hmm, oh boy, that scene ends. We cut to a tennis match between Mary and a gal who we're going to get to know a bit later on in some respect and and they're playing tennis and it's going back and forth and we see um a bunch of people including the dean and apparently margaret thatcher and maybe albert einstein uh watching the match you know doing that oh now we're looking to the right now we're looking to the left now we're looking to the right now we're looking to the left and that's those are the minutes that the the main thing that happens in this minute is mary is brought on board to go undercover as the tennis coach and Kendall is going to be keeping an eye on her. That's the main things to remember about this. I don't know that we're going to have a lot to talk about in these minutes, um, but there is something I want to talk about. Let me play you this and we'll be right back.
I always sort of say with these that I'm not going to go too long on them. I don't want to go overboard. I'm going to try with this one the best I can. Because as I said, there's, there's a very... It may be uh, for, for almost five minutes. Three, three, four, five, six, seven. That we're covering. But there's not a lot really going on. It's just sort of set up for what's about to happen. You see the reporter... Um, you see the Kendall's being, I, I don't, I don't know if the psychologist report, I forget if it, I think it does come into play later briefly. I forget, but, but that's really just the way to get Kendall into the office and meet Mary and Mary's out there and she's playing tennis and she's part of it. So boom, boom, boom. There, the, there's a the question that I have, which is Kendall arrives, Lieutenant brings him to the psychologist and then goes to Mary because at the end of his talk with Mary, oh, the psychologist is done talk, interviewing me. And I, I'm wondering if, like, what? So the lieutenant was sitting around waiting for Kendall to come in. And this is, I feel like this is a day or two later. I don't feel like this is that much longer. It's certainly, there certainly hasn't been another killing, obviously. But, uh, there's sort of a weirdness to it of so was he kind of sitting around like oh man as soon as kendall gets here i can tell mary that she's going undercover but until he gets here and i can assure reassure her that this goofball that we don't know is is going to be keeping an eye on her as she's out there undercover because it's supposed to be like i think they say no, no, they haven't said it yet. Okay, for, forget I was about to say that. Oh, semi-spoilers. Uh, in the next episode, I'll tell you what it was I meant to say right there. But so, so there's a bit of a weirdness of, so you were sitting like, Mary, I've got something for you to do. What? I can't tell you. I'm waiting on Kendall. Waiting on Kendall. So there's kind of a bit of weirdness to that, that he'd be holding up the investigation rather than saying to Kendall, Kendall, come in tomorrow at noon. Now, Kendall, come in when you want, because then when you eventually come in, we're going to put someone undercover in there. What if he never came in? What would have happened then? I don't know. And he says at one point, uh, Lieutenant says, well, I had a long talk with him, and he's a good kid. I'd love to know when he had a long talk with him. I'd love to know what's going on. I'd love to know why he had a long talk with him. Mary seems confused why he's he's the lieutenant is bringing Kendall under the, the wing, as it were. I mean, I know, you know, the, the budget may be strapped, and they may have to um, bring in a college kid, but it just seems weird. Well, we don't know anything about Kendall, but then, at the end of the day, this is a J.P. Simon film, so asking things like that isn't always the best thing to do. So, all right, so I'm going to try to keep this... We'll see if we can keep make this the shortest episode of Pieces and Pieces. Here we go. So, uh, let's go to the tennis scene at the end. I think I already described the tennis scene. It's 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 interesting the way they do the tennis scene because I don't know if it's um it's I don't know how much of a, a tennis player Linda Day George was, but uh, in in the scenes where you see her, she's kind of like standing more or less in one spot. Occasionally she'll take a step over here, she'll take a step over there, but she's more or less in the same spot hitting the ball. Whereas the poor gal, who we will like I said see again later, is running all over the place after the ball like she's like mary is so good that this poor gal is being run ragged now they're both in the tennis short skirts and things like that you can you know that is what that is um but yeah it's 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 uh, this moment in particular where um like mary you see mary hit the ball 
and then it cuts to the the gal the student um going after it but but she like she kind of goes after it and then stops for a split second and then the ball goes by her it's like 15 love i don't know the way tennis is scored i never fully understood the way tennis works the the folks standing nearby watching seem to be having a good time that can't be fun i mean look at the way the 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 if, if if you haven't seen it, the folks that are watching are not like in a bleachers or in a you know we're not in a stadium we're not we're not in seats looking on. It's sort of like they're leaning over a railing. If you've seen um, Police Academy, the sequence, the driving sequence where um, Hooks runs over that one guy's foot and um, Hightower gets thrown out, you know the way everyone is watching the. Um, the the driving and that that's the way it happens here it's kind of like they're up top leaning on a railing looking down at a at the the tennis courts rather than like being in like seats and things i mean i even wonder what that's about like okay we hired a tennis coach the tennis coach is mary riggs as um as kendall points out oh my gosh you know you're i watch i see all your matches what are you doing here and and she does point out you know it's this, this is how i make my living so she makes her living as a cop but she's also a tennis champ, which I, I guess makes sense-ish. I don't know. I never quite got that, but we're going to let that ride. So Mary Riggs is a tennis champion who makes her living as a cop. They, I, I don't think they say what her... I mean, I'm guessing she's a sergeant because lieutenant is able to assign her to stuff. Um, and when I was a kid, I always got those mixed up, which was higher up, the lieutenant and the sergeant. I don't know why I thought the sergeant was always higher up, but that was just me. But so so she's a tennis champ who uh, moonlights as a cop to pay her bills, which does that mean you're a tennis champ then if you do that? Um, I mean, okay, having said that, you know, I, I'm a writer and I have several books out, but I don't make my living writing. So I guess I shouldn't denigrate Mary Riggs this fictional character in a low-budget Spanish slasher from the early 80s. I let her ride. So, yeah, so Mary, and it's funny, I like the thought of, okay, we're bringing on a new tennis coach. Uh, I like the thought of, we're bringing on a new tennis coach, and she is a, uh, she is a tennis champion, Mary Riggs, and we're going to have her play one of the students. And the student looks like she's getting her behind whipped. Uh, we don't see the end of the match in this minute, but the student doesn't look like she's doing well. Which kind of, it reminds me of what, like, the meaning of life, the scene between, um, um, you should play the football game against the masters or the teachers or the, the whatever's this afternoon. You know, the, you know that sequence in um, uh, the uh, school sequence in Meaning of Life right after the sex education scene where it's basically like a bunch of, small students versus like like master rugby players and they get destroyed that's almost the way this is like okay we're gonna have a we're gonna have let's get together our smallest students and we're gonna have you guys play these master rugby players and get destroyed and that's kind of what it looks like to me so let's tennis aside let's go back to the police station i say the police station but it's clearly a series of sets now we know the way these films worked back then they shot location stuff like presumably the i don't know for certain but presumably the college stuff was shot on assorted locations in boston and then the studio stuff was shot i mean i don't like i don't know that the pool stuff was shot there maybe it was but but a lot of the studio stuff was shot in uh, like the bedroom the bedroom like we discussed the bedroom maybe being in pod people 
um, you know, that would have been shot at a studio in Madrid. And, uh, oh, presumably Madrid. And uh, so it, it's weird with, like, the police station. So we know that the police station is a series of sets on a studio in another country. But we've had stuff like, look, look at, like, The Beyond. Fulci's best film? I don't know. But it's a hell of a film. I I prefer watching The Gates of Hell myself, but eh, that could be one of those things I do where like I know that something is the best, but I sort of intrinsically go to the second best. I don't know, but but no, I love The Gates of Hell. I love The Beyond, but the, but The Beyond, for example, like the 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 motel, ho- the hotel sets and the hospital sets, and like under the hotel where is it Joe the plumber goes and stuff. Like like those sets are so good. And the final set. That, that David Warbeck and, and Katrina uh, McCall, crap, uh, you, you know, uh, sh- that they go into, um, uh, Katriana, um, that they go into, you know, those are so good. The police station sets for pieces maybe aren't as good. The, the psychologist set looks like a set. It looks like... Um, you know, it's it's a set built within like a hallway or a space within another space. Um, it it reminded me actually just sort of if you look at the doorway and you look at the setup of it, um, if you take away the wall that's on the other side, it reminded me vaguely of and this is going to sound really weird. The second SCTV Christmas episode, the one with the Schmengi brothers, Christmas. There's a scene in that where. I think it's John Candy. I got the egg. He shows up at Eugene Levy's character. The character I forget there, Stan and Josh. Um, John Candy I think shows up at the house, and there's sort of like the cameras like in a hallway, and you see them kind of come in the front door, and everyone kind of moves through the hallway towards the camera, and then goes into a doorway into a living room. And it's, you know, it's, they went in the hallway and there's a little hallway and there's a living room right there. But it's weird because uh, it's a weird setup because it's like, if that's the main living room, that's kind of like in a pocket off to one side. You know, living rooms aren't really like that in houses. So if you watch that scene and you kind of look at that scene as what it is, a set built on a studio... That's exactly what it looks like. It looks like a space with a set and a wall. And I think there's a thing, there's a Father Ted episode, um, the one with the car and the raffle, uh, the sequence with the the guy who can't stop talking in the closet. Um, uh, that that at the, but, but at the end of that, it's meant to look like a, a set. But but it's it's sort of like the, the, the psychologist's room reminds me of that set, where it's like, okay, this is clearly built into a spot, and the dimensions are a little bit off, and it feels a little bit strange. Um, but it's fine. It's fine. We're only in there for a minute, and then we never go back, so it's not like we're there for a long time. But the great thing is, like, when we go to see Mary and we talk to Mary, um, when Kendall and Lieutenant leave Mary and they step outside of her office and they're talking and you, you're, the camera's looking at them and you could see into the office where Mary was sitting at the very top of the screen, you can see at least one, if not two, like, studio, like, lights. Unless that's the kind of lighting Mary likes, you know, like, I want movie studio lighting in my office. But if you look back, you can see sort of the, the black of the like those big studio lights. You, you can see kind of them hanging in the back as they're talking, which is great. And then Kendall leaves and my, my the other favorite bit. I, I've already made the joke about Sylvia Costa, um, what, what, what part of Boston she's from. But it's great. Look 
at the corner. I mean, this is doing a Jerry Paris Happy Days big time. Look at the corner, the right-hand corner, way in the back, the doorway that the cop and the reporter come in through. Look at the ceiling. And so imagine this set. Think of like the um, cop set you've thought you could think of in like cop shows from the 70s and 80s. And think, think to yourself, how many of those cop offices, now, now many of them didn't have ceilings, but how many of them was it implied that they had like huge high ceilings? Like, look at that. Like the moment like Christopher George steps out of the room Mary is in into the main room, which is a very small pokey little place look into the far right hand corner way up into the top corner of the screen i mean let's say that reporter who's almost door height let's say he's about six foot there's at least three or four feet above the doorway so what that's like a nine or ten foot ceiling i mean the room i'm in right now i'm five ten if i jump up i can touch the ceiling i mean the room i'm in right now probably has a seven foot ceiling maybe I don't, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know. Um, let me, let me stand up for a moment. All right, don't move, folks. I bet it's probably 10 foot and I'm an idiot. Um, yeah, no, six, seven. All right, let's say eight foot or so. I mean, but whatever it is, if you look in the corner of my room, the doorway, the top of the doorway, there's maybe a foot and a half in between the top of the doorway and the ceiling. Look at the distance between, I mean, there's like two, three more feet. To me, that's a set. <laughs> that, that is a set, and that's a hilarious set because the place is so, the, the room itself is so pokey and small and like, ugh, so packed in. And yet we have like 10, 11 foot high ceilings. Really? Why do we, why do we have so much space on there? If that one guy is our tallest cop, why do we have so much space in there? And it's great too because the doorway that he comes in through is a doorway that opens towards the outside wherever that is you think there'd be more of a because they're not in an office they're not that they're not like in some this isn't like lieutenant bracken's office you know there are two or three people sitting in there and there's an office within there but this is like a small space within a larger space shouldn't should it be more like i mean think of even like like sledgehammer like the office in sledgehammer when you walk in you walk through it and pass all the desks and you get to um hammer you know his 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 office trunks office you know in the corner and stuff like that does can you think of any other offices like cop, police offices like circa this time that look like that aren't they like huge spaces with all these desks and this layout and offices in the corner this is a little tiny room with like two or three people and this huge ceiling and this one little office off to what's it like it's a suite rather than like a big office kind of thing it's just i don't know maybe i talk about it too much but i I just love the fact that I, I've watched this one 20 times and it was only this time around that I suddenly sat there going, wait a minute, that is so obviously a series of... Now, it is a series of sets. I'm not, I'm not, you know, not to denigrate, but it is funny to sort of look at, like, like treat it as not an office, but a series of sets within a larger studio space and try to spot the bits where it's like, oh, you know, there are the lights. Oh, that layout of that office doesn't make sense. Oh, look at how high the ceilings are. Really? Like, really? Like this, we don't even, we don't see that, we don't see the ceiling. You know, there are at least three to four feet above the doorway and we still don't see the ceiling. How high up is the ceiling? Why does it need to be that high? If the doorway's that low, why does it need to be that high? Ah, whatever. All right, this is me yakking and yakking, folks, but 
it's a, it's a fun few minutes and it sets up a bunch of stuff that is going to be important well you know, we see mary's going to be there and kendall's going to be part of the investigation and we know from the previous minute that a gal who dances is going to be stalked and we'll find out soon i guess what's going to happen but i'm going to wrap it up here let's see was this the shortest minute yet no no it wasn't the credits i think the credits episode is still going to be the shortest but if i do a if i do a final episode that's just closing credits that'll probably be the show oh and this suddenly didn't become the shortest because i just wanted to talk briefly about linda day george now she she obviously she was linda day she was in a bunch of stuff she was one of the stars of mission impossible near the end of that run she married christopher george um she um early on in, in um the first TV movie I know her in aired in 69. Oh, let me. There we go. I got Meryl. Movies made for television. The telefeature of the miniseries, 1964, 1979, Elvin H. Merrill. Page 359. One of the best TV movie books you'll find alongside Are You in the House Alone? I'm not going to say the subtitle. Edited by A. Reyes. Um, Reyes? Reyes? I'm sorry, man. <laughs> um, I, I'm there. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I have her Fear No Evil. Well, the first film I have a TV movie that has her in is The Sound of Anger, 68. But Fear No Evil in 69 is a fun one. That's with Louis Jordan. And he was in another one. Was it Touch of Evil? I forget. Well, no, it's not Touch of Evil. Taste of Evil, Smell of Evil, Bread of Evil, Loaf of... I don't know what the heck it was. But, but Fear No Evil is a really kind of weird sensual one and then of course the cool thing is i think it was made in 68 but didn't air until early like january 70 the house on green apple road with christopher george starring as lieutenant dan august um that would become a series with um uh, burt reynolds um but the house on green apple road has a sequence where he interviews a rather high Linda Day um, about um, a dis the disappearance of Janet Lee's character in the movie. If you have not seen The House on Green Apple Road, it is one of my all-time favorite TV movies. I think you can see it randomly online. I would, I, no, I, I can't recommend you go out and buying stuff. But if if you if you love it or you're really interested in it, and you like Burton Re and you like Burton Reynolds, and you like Burton Reynolds, the VEI released uh the dan august the complete series i think there were 15 hour long episodes but it includes the house on green apple road the tv movie which is super fun because it was a two in a two hour and 15 minute time slot which means it's an hour and 50 five zero minute long tv movie and i want to watch it again right now because it's one of my favorites and yes and there's a scene with christopher george and linda day in it which is lovely and then she was in the um the canon TV movie. Uh, she was in something called The Sheriff. Set this town on fire. Oh, one of my favorites. She cried murder. Oh, so good. Oh, Panic on the 522. Yes. Try Jensen, the Barbie Coast, Death Among Friends. Oh, Death Among Friends. I have not seen that yet. But I, I think that's supposed to be fantastic. Richmond, Poor Man, Twin Detectives. Oh, Mayday at 40,000 feet. Once an Eagle, Roots. Oh, she was in Roots. Murder at the World Series. Now I want to see that. It happened at Lakewood Manor, a.k.a. Ants and cruise into terror fun oh uh, she's obviously in that with her husband at the time christopher george and right around now um she uh, a year or so after this she would be in mortuary with christopher george right before christopher george passed uh 
sadly. Um, but that's another story. Maybe that's another podcast. I'm not. I'm not really interested in going into that place. But yeah. So that that's Linda Day. We love Linda Day here. She, she's fantastic. So um, uh, yeah. So so she's introducing this as Mary Riggs, and she's lots. Of, she's great. She's um. <clears throat> She pops up in a lot of stuff. She is fun. She is in an episode of Ellery Queen, one of my favorite TV shows. I'm trying to remember which episode it is. She is... Oh, it's the one with Tom Bosley as the... um the um the uh, comic book uh, editor and he gets killed and she's his secretary yes and she's great in that she's nice and blousy in that she's a lot of fun uh, Christopher George wasn't in that show but let me just wrap it up okay so this isn't the shortest episode but um it is what it is so where are we now folks yes Kendall has been clued into what's going on hopefully his psychological profile is going to help out uh, Mary Riggs uh, cop and tennis champ is now the new tennis coach at the university and Kendall is going to be keeping an eye on her and thanks for listening listen to this <laughs> <laughs>